Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. If you're new, thanks for coming by and spending a little bit of your time with us. This is a show where we talk a lot about not just exploring the possibilities of a new healthcare within your own clinical practice, but also from an organizational standpoint, from a process of care standpoint. And what really makes this show, in my opinion at least, super cool is the fact that we take a bunch of information, a bunch of guests we have from all over the healthcare industry. They might be entrepreneurs, they might be uh, frontline clinical staff, they might be researchers, and all of our conversations revolve around what we can do to help our patients become happy, satisfied, and successful after they come through our clinics or through our healthcare organizations or hospitals or whatever. So my guest this week is Jerry Durham. He's a physical therapist, and he's been in the field for about 27, 28 years, give or take, as a licensed clinician. And what really makes him unique and what what I why I wanted to get him on the show here is that he used to run three physical therapy clinics out in California. And over time, given just the pressures from third-party payers and increased productivity demands and decreasing reimbursement levels, he took all three of those clinics and turned them basically out of network, so cash-based practices. So as a result of that move, he really had to understand patient experience, how do you sell in healthcare, which is something that we don't really talk about. Maybe that's an episode for, uh, for the future about selling in healthcare. But he had to really understand how do we get patients or prospective patients who might call the front desk and turn them into patients that show up for their appointments, that are engaged in treatment, and that you know complete their course of care, which is, if you've read anything that I do or if you worked with me as a client, you know that's super, super important to me. That's what I'm all about, right? Patient retention, patient engagement. So we had a great conversation around what a clinic or an organization can do specifically with their support staff, their front staff members when their back office members to help facilitate or help create a culture or an environment where patients are more likely to show up, they're more likely to be engaged in treatment, and they're more likely to have a positive experience in your clinic and in your facility. So if that sounds like something interesting to you, something you want to learn more about, then stay tuned for the episode and we'll chat with him about what he calls front desk success. So without further ado, here's Jerry Durham from the client experience company talking about front desk success. Well, hey, Jerry, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well. How are you doing this beautiful day? Oh, I can't complain. It's a Friday, right? (laughs) Exactly. All right. So for those who don't know, who Jerry Durham, the PT is. Why don't you give us a little background on yourself? What do we got? We got 27 years in the as a licensed PT. So 27 years in the profession. I 
early on worked in just about every setting there was except for pediatrics and neuro rehab for about the first five to six years of my career. And then finally uh, went out on my own and then partnered up. And that journey was about 20 year journey of business running a, uh, I mean, back up, running a practice and a clinic and then running a business. And then um, got out of that about five years ago now. Yeah, I think it's about five years. I get, I get lost in the story, but about five <laughs> years ago and now working on basically taking, for lack of anything else, taking everything I learned in hindsight from those 20 years and going, here's the way, you, here's the way I did it wrong. Don't do this. And as you and I both know, and most people listening to this, healthcare tends to focus on the providers primarily. And my big takeaway and where I am now is, is understanding this whole experience, the team role, the team role in patient success, the team role in business success, you know, patient experience, patient life cycle, uh, all those things. And that's what I'm doing now. So yeah, it's been a it's been, I mean, it's been a long freaking journey, man. 27 years, a long time. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a, a whole bunch of experience. And I think it, at one point I, I found out about you cause I was listening to a podcast years ago about you taking your practice, which was in network yeah. and then pulling into cash and all that. Mm-hmm. And the importance of obviously understanding your, your patient relationship cycle, your patient life cycle, whatever, whatever you want to call it as to, to convert those patients and get them to come in and stay. So tell me a little bit then about your company you run. Now it's called the client experience company, right? Correct. So back to what you said, um, just for context for everybody about 12 years ago where, and by the way, I don't tell this story as the guy who walked up the hill in snow both ways to school. (laughs) I just tell it for context and I'm not here to say it's easier now. It's harder now. It's anything. I just want everybody to understand. So about 12 years ago, right, I went out of network and no joke, people, that nobody even knew what out of network meant, right? Nobody was using the word cash practice, cash PT. Everybody, you know, if there was a cash practice, it was like a dinky little office with a dinky little person who like had all their clients were just recurring clients and yeah. it was maybe like 10 people, right? So we made a business decision to go out of network. It was strictly business. Uh can't remember who the first, I think it was Cigna was our first contract that fell below our cost of doing business. So it was like, it was an easy, this is what's funny. It's, you know, you read all these things and people are like, I don't know what to do. Do I take insurance or not take insurance? I'm like, it's a business decision. It's based on your client and right. What you need to generate to pay your bills. If blue Cross's contract is $75 a visit and it costs you $80, to deliver care, that's a no brainer. I can't network with them. So 12 years ago, and that's really where the, where I look back and reflect where I was like, Hmm, I got to do something different. And that's where this whole uh, patient experience thing and the front desk and then realizing, which probably a lot, this is the beauty. Every time I do this, like every year that goes by more people are nodding their head going, yeah, I get that. And I'm like, that's cool because, one year ago, two years ago, three years ago, people are like, I don't get it or that's not true. But this understanding that, you know, if, if Jerry calls your clinic, that, that first touch point, right, the front desk, the journey starts there. So the patient success starts there, the business success. It's, I call it, 
I call it the entry point to the business. Everybody, you know, used to be, used to be everybody thought the entry point was, well, when, when, when they get in the room with the provider, right? And I'm like, yeah, no. that first experience with the clinician. Right. Yeah. And that was our egos. I went through that, right? Oh, yeah. And I went through that for a long time in my business where all I cared about was the providers, right? And so, you know, just learning the value of all of a sudden, wait a minute, we managed and set expectations before they arrived. We built trust before they arrived, what I call a team alliance instead of therapeutic alliance. Um, And wow, look at this magically. Here's the beauty of it. Patient numbers improved and by, sorry, patient measurements, patient success. So, people getting better, people happier, all that stuff improved. Yet then my business metrics changed. So I was like, hmm, what's going on, right? And that's been that last 12, 13 years. It took me all that time to start equating, wait, this change here was because of this, right? Going further upstream. It was like, wow, we changed the first phone call and we stopped getting billing complaints. It wasn't a billing issue. So things like that. And that's what the company, the client experience company does, right? We come in, we look at the whole kit and caboodle. We look at your whole process, right? Do you understand who your ideal client is? Do you understand? And it could be multiple. Do you understand what you're serving them with? Right? Cause nobody, yeah. nobody wants physical therapy, right? Everybody wants a solution. And then looking at the life cycle and then looking at the systems you've built in to create an experience that you want your clients to have. Yeah, no, I'm, Totally on board with that. A lot of the work that I do with clients is the same Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. same realm, you know, like Mm -hmm. I know you think you're selling, you know, occupational therapy or physical therapy, but what you're really selling is, you know, relief from back pain or, you know, whatever, the the ability to go out and and throw the ball with your dog. So, so let's talk a little bit more then about the front desk. Cause I think you, at one point you were running a course, right? A big course called the, the front desk success program. Are you still doing that? Yeah. Yes, I am. And it's actually, it's actually, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so for context, just if someone's listening to this at a later time, right, this yeah. is August or sorry, October 1st, 2020. So everybody knows what happened in March of 2020. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I literally just for context, I literally like that Monday, I went, holy crap, do I have any legs? Do I have any viability with what I'm doing with what I've been teaching? Right? Was it legitimate? is do I need to change something? And what I found was fortunately, I was working with a handful of people right, you know, before March, and then through March and still working with them. And I was able to compare the people who were doing what I preach, what I say will be a solution. And those people took and by the way, we can measure this however we want, but they took less of a hit than other people did, right? They were able to ride out this nobody I work with, had to close their, has closed their clinics, right? Nobody I've worked with had to, I'm thinking everybody I've worked with kept all their staff, right? And so, and some got, and I'll say it out loud, some got the PPP loan, but some did not. And they were able to do it. And what I found was, right, some of those things, again, as we took a deeper dive and something I've really been preaching since is the relationship you build. Sorry, let me back that up the earlier you build a relationship and maintain it, the more powerful it is. So here's one of the huge takeaways for people listening is I found that people who had knew how to manage their patient life cycle, knew what building a relationship meant and were doing it day in and day out pre COVID 
rode the wave through. Oh yeah, they were just doing what they kept right? on doing. And then there were a lot of people calling going, well, how do I do this? How do I do that? And I realized they weren't doing that before. They, were, they had a terrible time because they didn't have good relationships with those people. So, so that, that was a long answer. I haven't even answered your question, just setting up the context <laughs> for, for what we're discussing here. But yes, that business actually, that front desk success training program has grown. I think for two reasons is one is people now understand that there's more there there than they thought. Yeah. And number two is the second thing I'm just talking about it. Oh, sorry. No, number one was that is there's more there there. Number two is they've been able to hang on to their staff. They're a little slower. And so they're going, okay, let's train people. And they're not just training the PTs. So I do a, a four month front desk success training program, which is basically, right? How do we leverage this patient calling? How do we leverage this, what I call phase two, which is initial contact with your company until they walk in the door? How do we leverage this to get increased arrivals, people who pay, people who stay, so complete a plan of care, yeah. and then people who do your marketing with you. And that's what I teach in the program. And really empowering that front desk. I, I, the first day of class and before we even start, there's videos going, you are, you are the vital link in this company. Without you, the providers have nothing to do. So, I mean, from day one, and the owners know it, you know, from day one, these people are going, whoa. So, you know, and, and that's what follows is that you have a lot more control. You have a lot more power than you think. So I'm here to help make sure you use it for good and not evil. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole idea too, of like this team-based approach, you know, at mm -hmm. the VA, we rolled out a uh, relationship-based care and it was the same basic principle. Like everybody on the team needs to be communicating, needs to be basically having a solid relationship and solid communication so that the client comes in and they feel, all right, these people, like whether it be, you know, an input form, intake form, they filled out like, oh, you read that, you understand it, you know where I'm coming from before they show up. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's funny. And let's use that example real quick. Part of the training is even telling people part of my thing on the, uh, on the first phone calls, you know, so Jerry, when you arrive on Tuesday to see your expert, you know, Dr. Jane Doe, there will be four pieces of paperwork, right? You know, it's stuff like that yeah. where you just, you ease it into the conversation and People are listening to podcasts they can't see, but I'm doing this upward arc with my hand. I call it building the trust trajectory. So we want trust building before they arrive. You know, you and I both know if you ask, you know, when is trust built? People say, well, when they get in the room and I'm like, why can't we build trust earlier? That's what all this stuff is based on, right? I yeah. took all the research, managing, setting expectations, all the research, most of it, not all of it was in the room with the patient, the provider. Then there's the therapeutic alliance, you know, and I said, I'll never forget reading that going, why isn't there just an alliance built? Why can't they have a relationship with everybody in the business, right? Yeah, with the whole That's where I came up with this term team alliance, yeah. And so the goal is that trust is being built, expectations are being managed and met, and expectations are being set and met far before they ever walk in the door. Yeah. So the focus really is then on that, that front desk, that front person, whether it be a, a clerk or an office manager or whatever, how, how do you handle that? Say someone calls and says, 
you know, Jerry's PT clinic, my back is killing me. I want physical therapy. When can you get me in? <laughs> yeah. So exactly. And then maybe you ask how much will it be, or maybe you exactly, ask, do you yeah. take my insurance? Do you take my because, insurance? Because big basically one. what you just said with that tagged on to the end, that is every single phone call, give, yeah. give or take a little piece, right? So that's, that's the first thing people are always like, well, there'd be scripts. I'm like, no, there's no script because it's the same thing every time. So to your point, I teach a, what I call a process, right? So there is a process to be followed and there is a template to be followed. And I'll share with everybody, listen, right? The process I call is just how to communicate. And it's um, yeah. what I call- How to communicate. <laughs> yeah, dude. Which by the way, let me just tell you, when I first started teaching this, my personal relationship and my personal communication skills at home improved immensely. And I saw a difference. So this is not just like business communication. This is life. Yeah. And I've literally, we've literally, I've literally, I did not think for one second this would happen. I debrief with a lot of the students after, right? What was your biggest takeaway? I've had more, I've had more than one person say legitimately, Jerry, there are my, my relationship with my teenage son has improved since I started taking this class. Out. Yeah. <laughs> what? And then one other person said my, you know, my relationship with my husband has completely improved. And I was like, okay. All right. Taking like, care of business, taking care yeah, of marriage. Right? I was too. like, damn dude. Yeah. I know. I ain't going to go out and advertise that. But the point <laughs> is right. The point is I call it the triple a it's acknowledge what you hear, ask permission based questions, and then allow them to share or tell their story. Right. Yeah. That's it. Right. And then we manage and set expectations. And then we build trust. And here's the beauty. I tell everybody, you have to do two things, build trust, manage and set expectations. If you're building trust, you're usually managing and setting expectations. And if you're managing and setting expectations, then trust is being built. But I list it as two things. And then I have the template is a 10 point checklist. And it's, there's nothing magical about it. Nobody would look at it and go, wow, this is earth shattering, yeah. Jerry. Wow, everybody, and I tell you what everybody does, and I get it. They look at it and they go, yeah, we do that. And I'm like, yeah, you do. You're right. But not in the way I want you to. Right. So I don't train people to do a script. I don't train people to do some, uh, let me see. I don't train people to use a script. We'll leave it at that. What I train people do is to listen a little better. Yeah. Because if I ask you a better question and I train people to ask better questions. If I ask you a better question, you'll answer three things I need, right? Instead of, and you and I both know, can I get your date of birth? All right. And your address and your phone number. Okay. Did you see a doctor? Okay. What's your diagnosis, right? Well, guess what? At the end of the phone calls I train, you get all that stuff, but it, yeah. you're going to hang up the phone. Here's something. I'll go a little deeper dive into this. So you use this process, you use the template, I tell people the ultimate test is two things. If I could be in both places at one time, the phone hangs up. I want to be able to ask the front desk person, why will they arrive? You should be able to answer that. I want the person on the other end, they hang up the potential customer who's scheduled client patient. And I want to go, was that call about you or was it about them? Both, if you can, if you can, if the person says that was all about me, I'm like, we're done. I don't even know 
I don't even need to know what went on at the other end. This is going to be successful. This yeah, is exactly. starting out the trust trajectory. If you can tell me, right? So I do secret callers too. So I bring my experience of calling multiple clinics around the company to this. So if you can, if you can tell me why someone will arrive in your clinic, ABC physiotherapy on Tuesday at 1030, then you'll be successful because I can't ask the person and stuff like, well, yeah, an adequate answer isn't because they have back pain, right? <laughs> yeah, correct. So I was going to say, why will they arrive? Well, we got them scheduled for back pain. I'm like, but they could do the, they, they can get help with their back pain at the Cairo, right? Yeah. The massage therapist. Yeah. At the acupuncture show, the personal trainer. Yeah. And I went, okay, so that's off the table, right? Well, they asked if they could get scheduled. We got them scheduled. I'm like, all four of those people have openings these days. That's off you the know. table, right? <laughs> so we start, and I actually have a list, but I have these five questions, but really the first one, if you can answer, why will they arrive in our clinic? Because then you know what else I'm going to ask you? As you start getting better at this and you know it, and I'm going to go, yeah, you're damn right. They're going to show up. Now I'm going to ask you after the first phone call, why will they stay? How many front desk people do you think around this country are worried or can actually answer? Yes, I know that Jerry will arrive on Thursday at 1030 for these three reasons, four reasons maybe. And I know he's going to stay because of these two more. Yeah. That's what, that's what we train for, man. That's, I tell you, if, if I'm going to tell you you're as valuable as the providers to the company, then you're going to have to bring this stuff. And again, people get freaked out because it's, it's not what they were hired into. They were hired to be clerks, yeah, service yeah. clerks, paper pushers. So yeah, it's, it's been an interesting run with the training. I've had really, really, really good classes and I've had really bad classes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How much of that too, you know, that, that expectations that they're supposed to be managing on the, on the patient side, how much of that going into it when like a, maybe a clinic manager or an owner you is looking it. to hire, they need to be doing that with their front staff. Like, listen, we're hiring you and it's not just to plug in the schedule in or drop the charges. We're looking for, for you to do X, Y, Z, right? Yeah. When I say I've had bad classes for context, I tell people all the time, when I do a call and I say I, that was a bad call, I say, you know who I blame? The people you just said. I've never blamed a front desk person for a subpar call. Why? Because they were trained or yeah. they weren't trained they weren't and they're trained, doing yeah. exactly what they believe they should. So it's not their fault. It's never, I'm going to argue, well, I probably shouldn't say it's never their fault yet. I'm not going to blame them ever until it's proven otherwise. Back to yeah. your point. So anytime I've had a bad class, I go back to the clinic managers. I go back to the owners. I'm like, you guys did not set them up for success. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the things, what are a couple of things that a, a owner could do to set up their front desk for success yeah. in this area? Yeah, great question. That's a really good question. And so good. Someone listening can take this home today. Your front desk has three roles, okay? Your front desk has three roles and I'm going to oversimplify them first to really get it in your head. You have the voice of the company, you have the face of the company, and you have the back office. Now, if you think about that already, you kind of know what I'm going to say next. Here's what we've done with that. We've taken our front desk and whether we acknowledge that or not, or right now we're saying, yeah, I get it. But we put them into the pot called the front desk and we stirred them all up and just said, all of you go be all three of those. So you hire four people, you hire two people, 
right? You expect him to be the voice, the face in the back office, yet everybody is going to probably be good at one of those and or they're not going to be good at all of them or whatever. So yeah. it's just this constant battle of, right, I need you to get, dude, the worst, you know, I cuss a lot. I cuss more <laughs> than most people do. Yet the worst thing you could possibly say, there's like, you know, two words I never say even as much as I cuss, probably one or two words I never say. Yet, right, what is the job of the front desk? If you tell me it's to get people scheduled, you might as well have just said the worst words on the face of the earth to me. <laughs> right, you hire someone and say, I need you. And by the way, I always say, during the interview or after you onboard them, you say, okay, here's all 15 things I need you to do every day. All 15 things of these need to be done. And then I hire someone behind you. I show them the same list. All 15 of these need to be done. I hire someone behind you, all 15. So everybody keeps coming in and we're all what I call great taskmasters and paper pushers. And by the way, number nine on the list is answer phones, schedule patients and get them rescheduled. And I'm like, um, all these are not equal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Not only are they not all equal, but not everybody's going to be good at all the same things. So again, if you come at it going, I need a salesperson, the voice of the company, I need a retention slash customer service delivering person in the clinic, the face of the company, and then I need back office support. Now all of a sudden you can go, okay, I'm posting for this, I'm posting for this, I'm posting for this. So the best way to set yourself up for success is first understand you need three roles filled and then make sure you write out the job description appropriately and you advertise appropriately. And I help people do that too, right? Because again, there's no way. And you and I both know most people listening, most of us tend to look for and hire, whether we acknowledge it or not, that face of the company. That yeah. middle of the road person. Exactly. And kind of a jack way, of all trades. They're nice. They're bubbly. Yeah. And those people aren't good at sales. I um I learned this early on in my journey. Um, someone who um someone who I was in a entrepreneur group with had bought and really just blew up in a good way a collections company. Check this out. Everybody loved this story. And so needless to say, I was doing my front desk work at the time and I knew she had that and she was great at communication. I knew she had that company. So I tapped into her a lot. She said this to me and I'll never forget when she said this to me, she said, Jerry, you know, so what I just explained to you, she basically laid out for me a while back and she said, look, Jerry, you've got customer service people that you're trying to get to sell, do sales. And she goes, those aren't the same people. The good customer service people aren't good salespeople and good salespeople aren't good customer service people. And I was like, and so when she said this to me, like, frick, dude, this was like at least 10 years ago. Just that, that really was a big tipping point to me going, ah, right. So I started looking at the front desk role differently because I still, even as I was doing this work in my own business, before I heard that, I was still just trying to turn everybody into the catch-all. Yeah, okay, we're going to get this one person to do these three things. It never works. And, you know, it's funny. People always think if we're going to do business together that they're going to have to fire their front desk. I've never worked with anybody who fired their front desk. I've worked with people who have moved their front desk people to different seats on the bus 
different roles within the company, but not fire anybody. Yeah. Again, if you're doing this well, then you're going to need right? a couple of each of those, right? If you're doing this well. So you, most of the time it's just about shifting people around. Yeah. Well, and you've mentioned the, the S word a couple of times, people mm -hmm. in healthcare, mm -hmm. specifically clinicians. Mm -hmm. And most of the people that listen to this show mm -hmm. are clinicians. You mm -hmm. say the word sales and they go, mm -hmm. This, this mm -hmm. is about caring and serving for people, not, not about making money, right? I'm going to click. <laughs> I'm done with this podcast. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So what do you say to clinicians that are like, listen, we don't want to be pushy or salesy. And probably it's because they have the view of the used car salesman, right? Like they're going to, we don't want to be hawking our, our services on a client, our potential client. What do you say to folks like that? So I just spent the last six months building out a whole sales program, literally just calling it sales. So I've brought it into the training class, but I also have separate content and it's called the art and science of selling in healthcare. And the first part of it is look, look, let's just own this. And I define what selling is from my non-healthcare selling books. Yeah. And I read direct quotes from a lot of this and I include a lot of that into the training from my selling books. And I'm like, you tell me what sounds I said, you know, if you go back in the literature, managing and setting expectations doesn't go back that far. It goes back to the freaking turn of the century in sales literature. Exactly. They've been talking about managing and setting expectations forever. If you talk about getting someone's story, a great salesperson knows more about that person than you do. So what I finally decided to do was just go, look, we're just going to, we're going to define our terms. Okay. So, so. I'm going to say the word selling and you need to get over it and we need to own you need to do that because when I start reading these definitions to you, you're going to have to acknowledge that A, they come from the selling literature, not the healthcare literature, and that anything in the healthcare literature along the lines of building trust, building an alliance, building a relationship has already been written in the sales literature. So, and I, and I, again, these definitions from my selling books, I don't remember them specifically because they're still new to me but they are, they're dead on. If I just put it on a piece of paper and said, doesn't this sound awesome? I mean, if you did this with every patient, wouldn't you be successful? I'd have a thousand people in a room all agreeing hundred percent. Yes. And I'd be like, that's straight out of my cell, you know, out of a selling book. Yeah, that's absolutely so, true. It's just like, it's like, we got to move on. And you know what I love to say after at 53 years old and 27 years in this, they're like, even today, right? No oh, selling. We don't do that. I'm like, I know that's how we got to be where we are today. And this system <laughs> is so effed up. So how about we start owning the fact that we need to be better at building relationships, managing expectations, right? Uh, building trust, all which, by the way, all that is in every sales book I've ever read. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've, I love reading. I, I read those books, um, you know, the, the biggest one that I read just recently was let's get real or not. Let's uh, not play. It's all about you know, oh, transforming perfect. the buy sell yeah, relationship. Bad. And I was talking to a client the other day and they were talking about something simple. And I was like, well, what's the, what's the client's desired future state? You know, like yeah, that's, that's yeah, what you need yeah. to be focused on. That's yeah, what you're yeah. selling them, yeah. but they can't, the idea of like, I guess most people think, okay, I'm going to sell. And they, the image that pops in their head is just like this fat, overweight, chain smoking yeah, yeah, car salesman. You no, know, we all did it. We all did it. Right. I did it, you know, and I went through a phase. Oh, we don't sell. It's a, even after I started my, that's why I say it was a practice at one time. Even after I started my own business, quote unquote, it was a business 
in the loosest sense, right? Well, you know, business doesn't really belong. Selling doesn't really belong. We just have to do these things. And you know, most people who will say that, and then you ask them what they do. I'm like, you're just, you still define selling and running a business um, in that world. You know, it's funny. And then people turn around and then, well, we don't sell. And then I listen to the first phone call and I'm like, you're exactly right. So what's your <laughs> drop off rate? What's your arrival rate? Right. And I'm like, you're right. You don't sell. Yeah. In your experience, how many, like as a percentage, how many folks that call into a physiotherapy clinic and schedule in your standard run of the mill, you know, chain PT place don't show up? Or they oh, show yeah. up and then they don't. Well, their no, let me care. give you, let me give you drop-offs. I think drop-off I'm finding. So, and I'll tell you why I want to give you drop-offs. I say drop-off is if, if I said you could only measure one metric in your business, which will tell you, by the way, this is what I love about this when, and we're going to say drop-offs, it'll tell you about what's happened in the past and what you're looking towards in the future. Drop-offs is the single best measure of your business. Yeah. And you're and talking course this, of care completion, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so the opposite of, yeah, I call it the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's the dark side of a completed uh, course of care. So drop-offs are the A number one indicator of your current client experience. And I love this. I love to go, do you guys track your client experience? Do you understand that? And they go, no. And I go, well, you have one, right? Yeah. Your client is having an experience with you, whether you're engaged with it or not. And then I always ask, what's your drop off? I'll tell you what, the clinics who know it are dialed, right? They're less than 10%. So the clinics who are starting to own it and understand and contacting me and are finally looking at it are running 30, 40%, dude. So you guys all do the math on that. That means, yeah. let me define this. That means 30 to 40. Okay, so let's do easy math. I like easy math. Out of 100 people, that arrive for their evaluation, 30 of them are gone by visit three. Gone, meaning, meaning they broke up with you via text yeah. or not at all. Or they just didn't show I, up. I used yeah. that example the other day. I said, right? It's like you got a girlfriend or boyfriend and they just reach out and go, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, I'm not coming back. We're not going to see each other. Don't bother calling me Clay. And I said, the most frustrating thing about drop-offs and the thing that just kills my soul is, don't get that closure, right? Same thing. What went wrong? I don't care if it was me. I don't care if it was you. I don't care what it was. Just tell me what it was. And that's what we miss out on those. So that's why I'm like the drop-off is the worst thing that can happen. And let's face it, a drop-off means you had no freaking trust. Because yeah, if exactly. someone trusts you, they're not going to ditch you. By the way, they're going to say, you know what, Jerry, this isn't working for me. And they're going to be honest and they're going to walk away. But they're not going to ditch you. So the drop-off is the single biggest indicator of your current client experience of which I argue is the biggest revenue driver, the biggest success driver. So then I just go screw it. It's your biggest business metric. And by the way, it's, it's a rear view mirror looking and it's also windshield looking because if your drop-off's 40%, well, you know, tomorrow, Right. That, that new patient that you put on the schedule has a 40% chance of dropping off. I'm like, why bother putting them on the schedule? Yeah, exactly. If it's like a coin flip that they'll finish, right? 
Yeah, no, I totally, I, I tell that to, to clients. I use course of care completion because I like being more positive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, what's funny, you know, what's funny about that is I, I've gone back to the drop-offs because for some reason, you know, what's funny is people don't equate. If you ask them what's the opposite of a drop-off, they don't tell you complete a course of care. And so the majority of people are not measuring it yet. Yeah. And I won't say the majority, but yet there's a handful of people who know their drop-offs. And I'm like, that's a tell also, right? You only know the bad things happening. Why aren't you just measuring the good and rewarding, right? Re-rewarding the good. Yeah. Right. That's like yelling at people for cancels. I'm like, why don't you just incentivize or make sure they know how to get people to arrive? Exactly. Yeah. Right? Instead of yelling shift. at them for cancels, let's just work on arrivals. Because if people are arriving and not canceling, then that's good for, right? That's a huge impact on the business. That's a, that's a triple, that's a triple win. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jerry, thanks for taking the time. If there's like one or two big takeaways that you would have for a listener, maybe they're looking at shoring up their, their front office, mm -hmm. what would they be? So I would say understand and start to map out your client's, uh, sorry, life cycle within your company. So the life cycle is the physical touch points and interactions. Yeah. So just start to be aware of, you know, we get a phone call. What happens next? Literally. Don't even worry about what happens in the phone call yet. The life cycle is just the touch points and interactions. So you may say, look, the bulk of our referrals are fax referrals, phone calls, and emails. You go, cool. So that's the entry point to the business. So after someone calls, what happens next? After a fax comes through, what happens next? And start mapping that out. Once you understand that, then you can start to make big changes within your company. Simple things like when I started doing that, that's when, you know, I started realizing the connection with some of the good and bad things that were happening further downstream. The other thing I'd recommend to people, and it's not so I can get your email, you can always opt out, but it's <laughs> the only way I have it right now. And I'm serious. Once you get it, you can, you can unsubscribe. If you go to the clientexperiencecompany.com, there are two things on my website. Hold on. I got to make sure, dude, because they sound a lot alike. <laughs> Let me pull it up. There are two things you can download or click on, which will require you, yes, to leave your email behind. I would like to think that I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't think at least go through let me at least sit through a week of my emails. And if I'm not delivering you value, then get the hell out. But I'm going to argue the email I sent out today, and I'm not going to offer it to anybody because they weren't on my list. I took most of everything we have and including this list, I'm going to tell you, and I put everything in one email and just said, here are the five links, go download all this and start using it tomorrow. I'm not going to sit here and BS you to join this and watch this. Okay. If you go to the clientexperiencecompany.com, the smaller box that's not dark green says download the 10 steps to a successful new patient phone call. That is my 10 point checklist for your first phone call. You can use that regardless of if you know your patient's experience, regardless of if you know your uh, patient's life cycle it does not matter. You can use that checklist. That checklist, I tell you the 10 things you need to collect. And then I tell you how and why to collect them in that. And it's just free. It's free. Sorry. You will have to enter your email. Give me a yeah. week, look at the emails <laughs> and then decide to opt out, but that'll get delivered right away. Um, 
there is huge value in that. And um, because if you read through that and got your front desk to buy in, if you got one more arrival, this uh, new patient arrival this month, you tell me how much that's worth. If you got someone not to cancel, right? So, so the uh, map out your client life cycle, and then in the meantime, download that 10 point checklist because you can use that in your clinic tomorrow and start to see some of the impact that your front desk can have. Awesome. Well, where can people find you? I know we, you just mentioned your website, but give you give us all the all the places, right? Because you're on the Twitters too. <laughs> yeah, but Twitter, dude. I'm just gonna say for everybody, we already <laughs> said the context. Yeah, I'm not between my baseball and politics, it's, right? It's now, not a G-rated Twitter account, dude, folks. <laughs> no, no, it's it's. Uh, by the way, I love to tell everybody everything I tell you, everywhere you go. If you, I like Instagram and my YouTube page. And by the way, everywhere is Jerry Durham PT. Okay. So it's my name, my full name. So you should expect full transparency. You will get my, me and my poodle this afternoon, me and my girl, my dog, we were out and about walking Philly and you'll get sites from Philly today from me on my Instagram in between some stuff that you can use with the front desk. So I would go to my Instagram, Jerry Durham PT. And I would go, I would send everybody to my YouTube page that I finally have. I have over 35 videos on there. It's all free. Nice. And they're awesome. training and I've got them categorized. That's Jerry Durham PT on YouTube. You will, I tell you, anybody who has the patience, I'm just going to throw it out there. Anybody that has the patience to go through all those videos and sort them will go through my training program. It's my training program. They're all there. It's all there. I'm not going to BS anybody. So if you have the patience to do it and you want to train someone, you'll have to, and I didn't, and I didn't throw them out of order so, to throw you off because I tried to sort them, but you're going to have to watch them because even I've gone back through some of them and were confused a little bit with, wait, what was in there? So again, if you have the patience and you want to, and most of them, most, not all, are 30 minutes or less. Nice. Yes. Watch them on so a lunch Jerry break. Durham PT. Uh, yeah. Subscribe to it because I upload at least one video a week, at least one video a week. And uh, it's at about 35 right now. Cool Plus deal. I have this, uh, I have a folder called, which I'm proud of, it's called the wisdom of others. So I find other videos or maybe I did an interview like this with someone, I dropped that in the wisdom of others. So I send people to other places too, right? There are people out there that are far better than me at doing certain things. So I like yeah. to make sure people can get that expertise. And I might even throw in a Beastie Boys video. Every yeah. so <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time, Jerry. Well, thank you for uh, having me on. You know, I love talking about this. And I know because I am I see your emails and I see your content. And I know you have a grasp of this. Like, you know, when I said drop-offs, you knew yeah. that the completed plans of care are what we should strive for. And so the fact that you know that is, you know, you're thinking, in my opinion, in the right place to make other people successful too. So I'm always happy to chat with people about this who get it too. So cool deal. Well, thanks yeah. very much. Have a good one. Yes, sir. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jerry Durham from the client experience company. I think it's always interesting. Again, this theme keeps reoccurring in all of the interviews and all of the guests, it seems that come onto this show, the idea that, you're going to have some sort of successful practice or successful business in the healthcare space without focusing on 
those interpersonal interactions, managing expectations, building in relationships as part of your business process is hugely important. And the idea that you can run a successful business in the healthcare space without it is just foolhardy at best. And I love that Jerry took the time to talk a lot about managing expectations from a from a clinician standpoint and then from a uh, clinic standpoint, a lot of the work that I do with healthcare organizations and and other businesses in the healthcare space is focusing on just that. Like, how do you, as an organization or has as a business as a service provider, build that relationship, that know, like, and trust value with your clients before they come into your into your clinic for their first appointment or before they have that first interaction with your product or service, so that they come sort of primed, if you would to be engaged in whatever service, whatever treatment, whatever plan of care you're enrolling them in or you're you're helping them with. And then again, the idea that we as clinicians or we in the healthcare space should be identifying our clients or prospective clients' desired future state and not trying to just fit them into some kind of cookie cutter treatment program or some sort of uh, plan of care that we give to every patient with shoulder pain, for example, but that we craft with them some sort of individualized plan that's more us helping them achieve that desired future state than it is hitting some sort of bogus metric. So... Um, That's it for this show. If you like what we're doing here, you can head on over to iTunes, give us a rating and review. It helps people find the show, helps people jump on board and and hear what we're we're talking about. Um, Or you can go to www.betteroutcomes.show. You can sign up for our uh, email list there. And what we do is we'll send you a copy of every new episode whenever we drop them. We drop interviews every other week. Uh, And every now and then you get a bonus episode that might be uh, another interview or might just be me chit-chatting and answering questions that I might get an email or an interesting conversation I might have with a client that I think is worth sharing. So until the next time, folks, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to The Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.